Welcome to Filled with His Love. Today, uh, I'd like to discuss listening some more. We talked about in Matthew 1 and Luke about listening and how important it was that Zacharias listened to Elizabeth and Elizabeth to Zacharias and Mary and Joseph and the angel and all of that. And I talked about how listening is such an important part of forming and improving a relationship. I want to focus today on how we can improve our listening skills and how those skills will strengthen our relationship. So specific skills that we can take from what researchers have found make listening so important in the way we relate to each other. I remember as a young boy, I looked up to my aunt and uncle. As I grew older, I used to like sitting by them at family gatherings. I wasn't sure why, I just enjoyed being around them. Now, many years later, I believe that one reason I loved them so much was because they seemed interested in me. They were always wanting to know what I had done most recently, what I had accomplished, and what I was planning for the future. One of those conversations sticks in my mind even though it happened so many years ago. The topic, my first car as a teenager. Just after getting my driver's license at the age of 15 and a half, my dad entered the front door and said, Russell, come outside for a minute. He pointed to a black 1958 VW Beetle parked in the driveway and said, this is your new car. It only has 21,000 miles on it. I sold it to this older couple five years ago, and they didn't drive it very much. It's a great car. I was speechless. First of all, I did not know that he was even thinking of getting me a car. My dad was a man of few words, and so he didn't say much about it. And second of all, I had no idea how I would pay for it. So he said, well, you can take out a loan and pay the monthly payment with the earnings from your paper route. I was still stunned. So the very next day, I marched into the credit union that was attached to the place where my mom worked and took out a loan. I still remember it sitting next to this loan officer, a little bit afraid, you know, I was 15 and a half. I didn't like the idea of debt, but I loved the idea of having my own car. So I doubled the size of my paper route, which was necessary to get the enough income, so that I have about twice as much as I had before, and I could pay that monthly payment and buy the gas I needed with the money from that paper route. I was the only one of my friends with a car, and I'm sure, I, so I became the wheels for everybody, basically. I was definitely the only one who was in debt. I knew that some of the neighbors were not excited about the idea, probably since some of their sons would say, hey, you know, rusted this, so why can't we? And, but they would really say, you're too young, it's too soon, it's not a good idea, it's not good to go into debt, etc., etc. I heard all of this from my friends. So I was a little concerned that my aunt and uncle, for whom I had so much respect, might side with the neighbors. But they didn't. I sat next to my uncle at a ward dinner, and he put his hand on my knee and said, Hmm, I understand you got a new car. I wasn't sure what he was going to say next, so I sheepishly nodded yes. And then I paused, waiting. I thought I was going to get another negative remark. He said, I think it's a great idea. That brought a smile to my face and a lot of relief. He kind of said he had confidence in me. He knew I'd be able to pay the debt off. He thought it was a good idea for me. He wasn't saying he thought it was a good idea for everybody, but he thought it was a good idea for me, and that made me feel even better. So my aunt and uncle, 
They were good listeners. They weren't trying to lecture me or give me advice I wasn't seeking. I felt they knew me and that they had confidence in me. And that's why they felt all right about my car. I came across an article this morning that I believe is worth your attention. The title of the article is, quote, The Surefire Way to Improve Your Relationships by Tema Ehrenfeld. It's published just three days ago in Psychology Today, December 30th, 2022. The author summarizes a book which I recommend called The Lost Art of Listening, How Learning to Listen Can Improve Relationships. Ehrenfeld, she is so big on this book, she says, I think this is one of the best books you'll ever read. So this is, he's, uh, Nichols is a family and couples therapist, and he teaches at William & Mary College back east. But if you don't have time to read the whole book, here is Ehrenfeld's list of guidelines which she took from Nichols' book, which I think are great summary recommendations for specific skills that we can use to improve our listening skills, our ability to really listen to other people. Number one, concentrate on the person speaking. That's what my uncle did. So my aunt, they, they looked at me, they weren't thinking about themselves, they were thinking about me, asking about me. Set aside distractions. They had, you know, there were no cell phones then, so they didn't have that kind of distraction. But a lot of people can get distracted by lots of things. And they were not distracted. They were totally focused for that few moments we had the conversation on me. Suspend your agenda. In other words... In every conversation, you might have something you want to get in, you want to interject, you want people to listen to. Well, suspend it for a little while. If you want to be a good listener, suspend that and let the other person talk until you really understand them and then respond to them about their comment rather than trying to put forth your own agenda. Interrupt as little as possible. Now, this is a big thing. This is all in recommendation one, but interrupt as little as possible. Now, You've all been in conversations where somebody interrupted you mid-sentence and it wasn't very helpful. So, and it says, if you do have to interrupt, it should be to encourage the speaker to say more. Okay, that's a very important thing. So, let me just say that number, oh, well, we'll go on. So, number two, try to grasp what the speaker is trying to express. Don't react to just the words listen for the underlying ideas and feelings. I actually think my uncle and aunt, I think they could feel that I was a little uneasy about the decision I'd made to go into debt and buy a car at age 15. I think they kind of knew that. And so they were kind of ready to reassure me in a sense. They were, that was what this listening is all about. Listening to the other person's feelings as well as what they're saying with their words. So try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Ask open-ended questions. This is so important. Uh, if we just ask yes-no questions, we don't get much from the other person. If we ask open-ended questions, like, how do you feel about that? Tell me what happened after that. Then we get a lot better interchange. Number three, let the speaker know that you understand. So tell them, this is reflective listening, basically. This is saying, okay, let me see if I get it. You are saying this, you are saying that. And so then they know that you're understanding. Use silence, reassuring comments, paraphrasing, empathic comments. Now, that's a lot in that little spot there. Use silence. In other words, 
don't feel like you've got to fill every single moment with words in a conversation. Let it go. Let, it, let silence come in and be comfortable with it. Paraphrase. Kind of say back to the person what they said in different words and see for sure if you're getting what they're saying. This is great listening. So next time you have a conversation in a group or even with just two people, I encourage you, notice the patterns that emerge. I think you'll find that some people interrupt others mid-sentence when they should suspend their comment and listen more to the other person. You'll see some who, who are distracted either by a device or what's happening in the adjoining room or what's happening outside or whatever. They get distracted and kind of they're not tuned in to the conversation. You might see someone who wants to dominate, one who takes too long to tell a simple story. This can happen oftentimes in lessons that we have in Sunday school or in uh, priesthood or relief society. Somebody can take too long to make a comment. They tell every detail about the story. So this is hard to handle. We call them the dominators. Not a good thing because they're not listening to other people. They're trying to get their message across. They're, they're kind of taking over the conversation and directing it in the way they want. So someone might make a totally inappropriate comment because they heard the words that someone said, but did not understand how the person was really feeling. This is also so critical because if we can understand the underlying feeling, like my uncle and aunt did, that I was kind of nervous, that I was wondering if I'd made a good decision, then you're going to be able to say the right thing. Now, on the positive side, you might see someone give another person an encouraging bit of support with an empathic comment. You might even notice that someone allows another to reflect for a minute without feeling a need to jump in and keep the conversation going. You might hear open-ended questions and questions of clarification when one person says, tell me more about why did you say that? This is, this is also a great teaching technique, by the way. If you look at it, instruction is nothing more than conversation. And so like yesterday in the Sunday school class, the teacher said, I love to hear your opinions. I want to hear your comments. So let them fly, let them come. And then we pass the microphone around and people talk and if you open it up like this, instruction is really a conversation. And then when someone makes a comment, the teacher can build on that. But this is true in all conversation, because if you look at the conversations we have, and I, I, I really believe that if you look back on conversations in your life, you will find some conversations that were life-changing, that were kind of the way that you changed the direction that you were going all because someone really listened, really took your comments to heart and understood how you felt and said something that helped you move in a better direction. So conversation, it's an art. Communication is an art. And no one has mastered those complex skills. They are skills that develop over a lifetime. I hope you've had a chance to watch The Chosen on BYU TV. I've, I'll mention it a lot because I think it's such an amazing, frankly, production. So many interactions, so many conversations, and all focused on relationships that develop between Jesus and his disciples, among the disciples themselves, and between Peter and his wife, or Thomas and the one that he is thinking of marrying, whatever. All these relationships. Does everything in the movie have precise connection with the scriptures? No. But the feeling one gets while watching the movie is clearly, I believe, what the spirit of the Bible 
is in the spirit of the New Testament. It is spiritually uplifting and instructive. And so I hope you'll take a chance to watch it as the, there are three seasons now, the third season is just beginning. So next time you watch an episode on The Chosen, notice the conversations Jesus has with others. Where is his focus? Is it on himself or is it on the one he's speaking to? Does he understand how the other person feels, regardless of how inept the person might be with words? Does he allow silence to prevail when needed? Does he ever interrupt inappropriately? You get the message. When the Savior communicates with others, he is always, and I mean always, doing it out of love for the other person and with understanding. He never dominates. He encourages questions from others. In fact, in The Chosen, sometimes Jesus might just say one word or two words, and that keeps the other person going and expressing themselves. He has no interest in taking it over. And then, then he responds off, always with so much insight and love. He is, not surprisingly, the master communicator. And the scripts in the movie are remarkable in allowing Jesus to show what it means to listen, really listen to others. You know, in Come Follow Me, we have the whole program of teaching in the Savior's Way. A new edition of that just came out. I was involved in helping with the first edition. Teaching in the Savior's Way talks about these very similar things about listening, not dominating, not lecturing, not taking over the conversation in the lesson. This is the way the Savior also, not just how he taught, it's how he communicated always with others. He was always the consummate master listener. And this is what we should strive to become, not only as teachers, because usually as teachers we're worried about how much we're going to have to say and will we have enough to say and all that. No, we have to worry more about how well can we listen to what is going on in the heads and the hearts of those we're teaching. And same with those we're talking to in any conversation. So let me review these three summary recommendations from the Nichols book on listening. As I read them, consider your own style of conversation and see if there are one or two of these that you might try next time you talk with a family member or a friend. Number one, concentrate on the person speaking, set aside distractions, suspend your agenda, interrupt as little as possible. If you do interrupt, it should be to encourage the speaker to say more. Next, try to grasp what the speaker is trying to express. Don't react to just the words. Listen for the underlying ideas and feelings. Try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Ask open-ended questions. Five, let the speaker know that you understand. Use silence, reassuring comments, paraphrasing, empathic comments. You know, I was once in a training session with Elder Bednar where he was speaking to uh, CES teachers throughout the world. And there was a group of 300 or so in an auditorium, and he asked if they had any questions, he would answer them. One sister raised her hand and asked a question. He gave quite a, I thought, beautiful response to her question. And then he said, did I get it? Did I understand what you asked? Did I satisfy your question? 
And she, bravely enough, in front of 300 people, said, actually, Bednar, Elder Bednar, no, you, you did not. Um, let me try and rephrase the question again and see if I can make it clearer for you. And so she did, and he responded again, and then he asked again, was that a clarification to your question? Was that a response that you're seeking? She said, yes, that's the response. Now, this, this, brothers and sisters, is a great example of conversation, is a great example of teaching. But when someone in a conversation says something that you disagree with or that you think is outright crazy or whatever, if you can help suspend that opinion a little bit, listen a little bit more, try to understand why the person said that, and then reflect back and say, now, did I understand you correctly, like Elder Bednar did? Ah, oh, these things lead to improved relationships in our families. They lead to better teaching in our classrooms, everything. So, now going back to my aunt and uncle, you know, I believe they followed these three principles. That's why they had such a positive impact on me as I was growing up. We, we can all learn how to listen a little better. And the more we do learn how to do that, the more fulfilling our attachment relationships will become. I'm very convinced of that. I hope this has been helpful and hope to see you next time.